Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to part two of episode 51, where we talk about our tasting of our beers from our brew-off challenge and brew-off with... Who are we with, Shannon? We are with Caitlin and Gareth from Fenrir Brewing. Let's get into it. Let's get into these blonde ales, huh? So the moment we've all been waiting for, we've talked about kind of what style we wanted to go with, how we came up with the recipe, and just kind of our basic brew day. And so the moment of truth, let's get to try some of these beers. And again, for those listening, we'll try and describe them the best as possible. I know I've listened to some things and it's okay. You're listening to people drink beer. All right. How can I be part of this? You know? So we're going to go based off of the beer judge certification program guidelines for a blonde. So we're going to use that to kind of be as impartial as possible to judge each other's beers and our own beers. Um, See how we fare against the official guidelines. Gareth and Caitlin uh, threw us some curveballs on the actual brew day itself uh, with our challenges. So we wanted to also throw a little surprise uh, blonde in their beer repertoire, I'd say, that they got from us (laughs) as a little surprise. And I think when you open the can, at least it didn't shoot out everywhere at you. Like We noticed the can can is very hard. You haven't opened it yet? Oh, you, you have, have not. You oh, have. No, you should have probably put on some. Oh, geez. So put, put on glasses. some goggles and uh, get ready. Oh no, we're not. <laughs> no, I'm just. Kidding. I got towels. I suspect a fruit edition. That's yeah. That's what we're thinking. Okay. Right, well, we'll find out. So we'll find out. All right. So let's start with version one of our beer. of our blonde. Oh well. First, before we start, we should tell everyone that we've named this beer. So wait, wait. <laughs> I was gonna wait for this for the end, so then we can talk about the label too. Well, we can talk about the label mm. afterwards, but. We got to... Okay. No? All right. No? We like, want to keep it a surprise. I guess. I feel like we should mark the occasion with just tell everyone what we named it. But we want to see if the you beers are good. Okay, fine. Awesome all right. It's it's an awesome name. But okay. So, all right. Go ahead, Chan. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go for okay, it. Okay. So, we are calling these beers Once in a Blonde Moon. So, she made up a label that incorporated their brewing logo and our podcast logo. And we just meshed them all together. And it's awesome. Um, and does play off of the name Once in a Blue Moon. Or sorry. Yeah. Once in a Blonde Moon. And we will talk about that a little bit at the end. But I think we should taste Once in a yep. Blonde Moon version one from our our brew. All right. So first up, batch one of our blonde. And we're going to judge this based on the BJCP uh, 2008 style guidelines. So let's start with aroma because that's really the first thing I think of when you pick up your pint or you pick up your taster of a beer. You want to smell it and see what you smell to see kind of sensory. So let's go. And I'm going to make some notes so we can keep track. Definitely nailed it on the aroma. Okay, so the guideline. So the guideline says, um, let's start with the guideline, and then we'll kind of go with what we think uh, on the beer. So uh, according to the BJCP guideline, aroma should be light to moderate, sweet, malty aroma. It should have low to moderate fruitiness, is optimal but acceptable, and it may have a low to medium hop aroma, and can reflect any hop variety, and it should have no diacetyl. So I'm definitely getting a light to moderate sweetness, and that malt still shines through. I think. Would you? I would agree. What do you guys think? That's, that's exactly. Yeah, your light, a light sweet multi aroma is exactly what I'm picking up on it. So we'll do a check for aroma. Right, and okay. definitely no diacetyl. I'm not picking up on any any of that. No. So Gareth, um, you've done competitions. What would someone 
experience if there was diacetyl? I'm probably wrong, but I believe diacetyl is the uh, cooked corn kind of flavor. I get diacetyl and DMS kind of mixed up sometimes. So it's most often described as like a butter or butterscotch flavor, mm-hmm. and it could smell like unpopped bag of popcorn. So I mm, definitely yeah. don't, I definitely, yeah, don't, I as much that. as I love, you know, if it was butter popcorn, um, this is not butter popcorn. <laughs> he does love butter popcorn. No, and definitely not. Some people also just have a really low tolerance for diacetyl and other off flavors. So yeah, but I don't pick up any anything off in this one at all. Then we'll move on to appearance. So according to the guidelines, it should be light yellow to deep gold in color, clear to brilliant, and low to medium white head with fair to good retention. Check. Light yellow it, to deep gold. I would say that's yep, on I, gold I think that, territory. Yep. Yeah, so I think a negative on this one that I would say is the head retention and um, just the amount of foam on it. But so we can describe why that would be. We had a little bit <laughs> of an incident while we were canning these where the beer gun just would not cooperate. So I had to, as you homebrewers know, pivot and uh, MacGyver it. And so I just hooked up five foot of tubing and kind of just straight up did the tubing into the can. So I think that lost a lot of carbonation because we weren't injecting the can with that CO2 like we normally would, whether it's from the draft line or from your beer gun. So I think that definitely shows in this in this beer. So that would be a negative on, on this beer. I agree. So I'm going to make a note that the retention... Lacks, the- lacks head retention, I think. So it's yeah, clear... Um, but it's not brilliantly clear, but the guidelines do say clear to brilliant clear. So that is appropriate. Yep. So I think it would check the box, but it'd be one of those things that if they were comparing it with the, another blonde that's, you know, crystal clear, I don't know how much that would impact if the flavor is good, you know, so speaking of flavor, go ahead. You can move on to that, James. What do we got for flavor? Why why doesn't Caitlin say what the flavor should be? (laughs) If you have it open, Caitlin. Why don't you tell us about what the flavors uh, are? Initial soft malty sweetness, but optionally some light character malt flavor, like bread, toast, biscuit, wheat, can also be present. Caramel flavors typically absent. Low to medium esters optional, but are commonly found in many examples. Light to moderate hop flavor, any variety, but shouldn't be overly aggressive. Low to medium bitterness, but the balance is normally towards the malt. Finishes medium dry to somewhat sweet, no diacetyl. So again, I think no diacetyl. Yeah, same. I'm getting a little bit of that sweet. What do you think, James? I, I'm getting a little biscuit. I think. I think our okay. malt, our malt uh, bill, kind of very bready. Yeah, you get that bready nice, after nice you. grain uh, malt flavor to it. And you know, no, what? no really off flavors. And it's not overly aggressive at all. You know, I, I was expecting, you know, when I looked at our grain bill, maybe it to be a little gritty, which you could find with a lot of blondes or even pilsners. I think I think it's the perfect amount. I don't think it's gritty at all. I think it's smooth. And that malt really does shine through in this mm-hmm. beer. Yeah, it's very good. Very tasty. Looking at the grain bill, you think there would be more malt, but it kind of just, the maltiness on it is uh, perfect for what I would think a blonde ale should be. All right, mouthfeel. A lot of people... This will either make them drink a beer or it won't make them, they won't want to have the beer again. You know, a lot of people who have milkshake beers, you know, mm-hmm. they either like that consistency, that mouthfeel, or they hate it. For blondes, you want a medium to medium light body and you want it to have medium to high carbonation. You want it to be smooth without any harsh bitterness or estrogen. So I would say on this one, this does not check the box. Again, like I said, the carbonation, I think it's not medium to high carbonation. I feel like it has a more of a light mouthfeel too i would say yeah i'd say it's i don't think it's medium i wouldn't say it's medium but i'd say it's light on the lighter 
light to medium um, body. Yeah, definitely medium light body. You would get gigged on the, the carbonation, but that's a known issue. So that didn't come yep. from anything, thankfully, that you don't know where it came from. Bitterness so, is uh, very restrained and, yeah, definitely no astringency. It's very easy drinking. The mouthfeel is, uh, yeah, other than the carbonation, you, know, you get a pretty good score on the mouthfeel. So I'd say overall impressions, I think this really like was really solid beer. I would drink it. I would order it. Again, other than the carbonation issues, I think that if the carbonation was on point, like if we just had it on our draft or we didn't have that malfunction of our equipment, mm-hmm. I think I think we'd have a winner here. I'd say it's approachable. I think it's approachable, yeah. I think that's a good way of yeah. describing it. All right, so let's let's move on. Absolutely. Okay, so we will move on to Enmere Brewing's version of the Once in a Blonde Moon. So we will start with the aroma. So this I definitely, definitely got some sweetness. I definitely yeah, this sweet. definitely is a lot more sweetness than ours. Yeah, sweet uh, maltiness to it. I think I pick up more of the honey malt. I was yeah. just I was just gonna say that. So ours, I think, seemed a little more bready, like little to- like more bready. This is definitely more, I think, honey malt. Okay, so we are gonna write down sweet malty. Yeah, definitely more on the the emphasis is more on the sweet sweet maltiness. Yeah, definitely. Yours is more ready. But I think they're both within... Within the criteria. Within yes. that criteria. Yeah. Okay, so appearance. Absolutely. Definitely gold. Yeah, I would say. I'd say gold. I would say deep gold. Yeah, yeah. Platinum gold. Platinum gold. That, yeah, that sounds that sounds like more expensive, right? Platinum, platinum blonde. Platinum gold. That's how you sell it. That's yeah. how you sell it right there, Gara. Okay, so flavor. Legitimately the first time I've tried this, so... That was my initial reaction. Ooh. Can I, can I point out how different these beers are? Mm-hmm. Even though they're the same water chemistry, the same grains, everything, they are completely different. Yep. Yeah. Like this could almost be like, like we're doing right now, like a flight, a blonde, a flight of blondes. What do you call a flight of yeah. blondes? <laughs> Trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Block of blondes. Block of blondes. Oh, that would be a good mix pack right there. So we think this malty sweetness or what is your assessment, James? Yeah, I I think definitely. I think very, I'm getting a a lot of sweetness, a lot of that honey, honey malt coming through. Yeah. Where I think Gareth, you like, I'm almost like if we had upped the honey malt even more, I would be, that'd almost be too much, I think. So I'm glad we didn't up it by too much. I think yeah. we only upped it by a very small, small percentage, right? Yeah, only a, a quarter of a pound for us. Yeah. Know. Yeah, and the for, hot flavor uh, is low. And I'm not getting a lot of bitterness, so also a check in that box. Almost, Got a very I would say almost no bitterness. Aftertaste. Yeah. Okay, what about mouthfeel? Finishes feel? dry. Yeah, perfect mouthfeel. Finishes dry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't That kind of makes you... I, it makes you kind wanting of, to go back for another sip. Yeah, yep. it makes you kind of pucker up a little bit and be like, "Hmm, man, I kind of need some need some more." Okay. The carbonation too is, I think, probably contributes a little a little bit mm-hmm. to that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say it's well carbonated. I think it's perfect amount. So I think that would pass. It definitely held up uh, during the packaging nicely. Agreed. I was about didn't to say. Lose, didn't lose too much. Yeah. yeah. All right. Overall impressions. I think uh, this one hit all the marks. So I think. Right now, the difference is our first one had the carbonation issue. So luckily yeah. for you listeners, don't worry, Double Hoppy had another version, another batch. <laughs> so we're not out. We're not down on the count yet. Okay. So we are moving on to our second one. Okay. And the only difference between your first and second one is the water chemistry. Is that okay. correct? So in batch two, our water chemistry, we have well water. 
So we decided to just do our well water in this. And then also a brew day mistake as we were doing our live video and we were showing everyone how our grain mill worked and everything. We had forgot to put the full amount of the carapils and the caramel 40 in the first batch. So we had still some left over. So we didn't put the full amount so I guess we'll see of how... the color. The color in this is, I'd say, more golden. So I guess we'll really see how our second one compares to yours because I yeah. guess it's technically the same recipe. Yeah. Okay. Your uh, your second beer definitely is a, I would say, in the light amber. It kind of no longer in the golden category, but now we're starting to go into the light amber. Yep. And I would think, I mean, aroma for me, it's so weird, but it almost smells like peanuts. <laughs> yeah, it's these right? two beers. We're trying really? side by side with the, your your first one. It's crazy. How they are they are. are night and day. Yeah. The second one is so caramely. It's a totally different beer. It's a. If you saw these in front of me and told me these are yeah, the same beers, I would not believe you. Yeah. I was just saying, like, the color alone, by changing the water profile and the different flavors, I think the well water is brought out almost a little bit more of an earthy undertone to this beer than our first one, which I kind of like. I don't know. It's different. I don't think I've had a blonde that kind of tastes like this mm-hmm. ever. That's the thing. I They are completely different, but I like them both for different reasons. Like, I'm surprised. Like, I was expecting at least one of our two to be just undrinkable. That's just my kind of... <laughs> my, my expectation going into any beer I make is just... Except, except it's undrinkable. Like it, so, if you can accept your beer is going to be undrinkable. Anything above that is a win, right? So because you're setting the bar so low that if it's good, then you're like, oh great. But you were setting it rock bottom. I can drink it. Yeah. Going from your second blonde to our version. If you try your second blonde and then go straight to our version, all of a sudden I can pick up on the corn. Yeah. Color is, is very close, though. Ours is a little bit deeper. A little, da- a little I darker. Think, like you said, brings it into that amber category. Yep. So I think I'd say it's a five to maybe even a six. Yeah, I would say it's on that on the SRM on that tail scale. end of it. Okay, so I think I think that the second one didn't have the carbonation issues that the first one had on our two batches. I wish I was good at descriptors. I'm so bad at descriptors. There's something in the second beer that I'm picking up. It's, it so, it's so prominent, but I can't put a word to it you know sweet caramel candy yeah that's what i was gonna say almost like a caramel i don't want to say molasses because that takes it too far definitely not molasses yeah like maybe a caramel hard candy type of like a werther's original (laughs) like like yeah yeah kind of in that direction which i guess according to the guidelines is not permitted but like so so here would be my thought right like so if it falls on all the categories but there's that one thing that like you know it's not necessarily in line with say the style a lot of people say like those ones end up winning because you know they it stands if you have the same style and everything's kind of the same and then that one has that one extra little thing they tend to gravitate towards that because their palates are just at that point they've tasted so much of the same that it sticks out now does it stick out in a good way for this beer or it sticks out in a mm, like what went wrong with this beer in your opinion competition you really have to um take anything with competitions with a grain of salt if you win a gold medal at a competition it doesn't necessarily mean that you had the best beer um you really have Mm -hmm. to play it it's, it's a game almost, uh, and you really have to play the game. What you said, James, is perfect. The, the way to win an IPA category is make the, bitter, the most bitter IPA. 
uh, that destroys the judge's palate and they can't taste any of the other IPAs. So the the best IPA at the end of the day might not really have the gold, you know. So, yeah, absolutely. This blonde might not hit the mark on every single thing, the second version, but it might actually fare pretty good in a competition because of what you said. It is different. It will it stands out, and the judges that's gonna that's gonna stick out in their heads. Absolutely, you're think, you're spot on. I think for me though, I still prefer the first because it's more like a like a ripened aroma. I agree. I think the first blonde is a better overall beer. Your your guys' first blonde. Yeah, I yeah. like the first one better, too. Yeah, I agree. I think the first one's like an easy drinker. It's what mm-hmm. you expect for a blonde. Again, this was uh, the batch two ended up being about 5%, 4.9% versus mm-hmm. the first one that was just 4.5%. And that's something else we need to talk about. I think our target original gravity was, what, 1.05? I think so, yeah. Yeah, definitely missed our gravity by a couple points. And then we also missed our, our final gravity by a couple points too. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting too, because we hit pretty much original gravity in our second batch and our yes. first one, we were off. The second batch, we were, we were spot on at that for original, but the first one, yeah, we that's were very off on interesting it. how, how maybe water chemistry plays into that. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty intriguing to think about. Yeah, definitely. I know you guys had mentioned you had some attenuation issues um, in your beer too. And I did, when I was looking back at my notes, I'm like, Oh no, ours was fine. It was roaring from day one with the first, first beer. It wasn't, it, it did have a day of, it stalled for like a day and, and then it kind of picked up from there. But so I'm almost wondering if the, our batch two was instantly like from day one, that's where I was texting you, Gareth. And I was like, this beer is roaring and you're like, Oh my God, that thing's like off to the races. So I'm wondering if the water profile has something, like you said, like has something Mm -hmm. to do with that, where maybe adjusting the water profile where you don't get maybe all the, some of those natural minerals and some of those untangibles, uh, maybe that with the yeast, you know, it reacts with the yeast in a way that, you know, maybe adjusting your water has, that's a pro con, right? Like maybe you just now have to adjust for that attenuation issue by either, you know, doing some more yeast nutrient um, to make that yeast, you know, a little happier. Um, Because your temperature was good when you um, pitched into your fermenter, right? It was about, it was optimal temp? Yeah, everything was optimal so long as the uh, sensors that I'm working with are accurate, I suppose. Um, That could be something I could look at, see if those temperatures are actually what they are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is something where you're getting into water chemistry beyond a level I have any knowledge of. <laughs> and it's <laughs> interesting to think about, like maybe starting with distilled water and building up the water chemistry with these salts that you buy versus salts that maybe naturally in the water has a difference. I'm not sure if that's even a possibility, but it's something to think about. And yeah, that's, it's it's very interesting, or it could just be yeast uh, a yeast health thing. Um, we did we did use a yeast that was pretty old because uh, I buy my yeast in bulk, and maybe it's time to to Get make some new, some new stuff. Yeah, that yeah. could be too. Yeah, because yeah. our our second thing of yeast was a newer had a, a newer uh, manufactured date on it as well. So yeah. to think it'd be just that simple. <laughs> oh, if yeah. if only right. Like I mean, only. I know like from baking bread. Like when I use yeast, that's been in my fridge for a little bit. I don't get the rise that I'm expecting. And then when I, I recently just bought 
like three pounds of yeast from King Arthur and I made something with it and it was like immediately, as soon as I put it into rise, it started. So I, the yeast definitely yeah. can make a difference when depending on its age. Like I think from this experiment, like before we get into kind of like putting head to heads or anything like that, I think like I'm blown away with the complexity of a blonde ale. Mm -hmm. Like just having, we did the same recipe and even in our own home brewery, we did the exact same recipe and just by changing the water profile and maybe like, I would say estimate in that first one, we missed out on maybe like not even like 0.1, not even 0.1. It was like a little like speck of, you know, like a pinch of ingredient. I think we got three di totally different blonde ales. Yeah, definitely. They are not even close to being the same. It's, it's even the two beers that we matched everything up. They're so different. It's yep. crazy. I really didn't expect them to be that different. I knew that they would be a little different, mm -hmm. but not that different. Yeah. I was expecting to us to be you. like, which one is which? Yeah. Like just from like, if we like poured them out, like they would look identical. They would smell identical. Like we'd be like, oh, I don't know which one was this. Like it tastes the same as the other one. Like it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That just goes to show you how you can brew the same exact beer, even down to the water chemistry, and it just is not the same beer. So now let's, let's kind of uh, segue a little bit before we go into the head-to-head -head on the, this tasting session of maybe some issues that you ran into during your brew day. Because we, we were doing Instagram Live for those who are listening. Uh, we were live the whole time while we were brewing. So I know when you try, you know, you have to get things done. We also threw in some fun challenges. So <laughs> we were, you know, balancing our Which paddles. we failed miserably at. We were trying to do, a K, you know, clamping um, our tri-clamps. Uh, you know, James tri ate a lot challenge. of hot pellets. I ate a lot of hot pellets and my mouth yeah. got super dry. Um, like the whole day afterwards, he was like, I could still taste those hops. I'm like, well, you're the one that ate like 10 hop pellets. Oh, it that was, on me. I That's combined, on I did two different hops too. So I got like the full, like bitter and uh fruitiness on that one. But so one of the, <laughs> one of the issues that we ran into, number one was the time it took to reach our boil, um, in our 110 volt, uh, system compared where you were constantly trying to ramp down yours to, so you could sync up with our timing. I think that was number one, one of the issues we found with just the 110 volt, you know, systems in general. So again, like most people don't have 240 volts for the US standard in their house. So you'd have to get an electrician to hook that up. But it's just something to consider the amount of time it takes for that water to hit not only your boiling point, but also to heat up your water to mash in. That was also take took extra time for ours by like at least an hour, I would say, compared with you guys in year 240. Our second issue, I think, was more critical to how the beer would turn out was in our grandfather, the max, the max out indication in that piece of equipment is eight gallons. And we, we typically maybe do start with, you know, four or five gallons, and then we sparge for maybe two to three gallons worth of, of water to bring that up to about seven or seven and a half gallons versus uh, to keep it consistent with how you guys were brewing in your system. We just went full bore with the 7.4, you know, we started with our full batch volume. So something we didn't consider when we initially had that discussion was that our grain basket has these two circular holes in them so that you can actually lift up with their tool that they supply, the grain basket that has your grains in it. So I totally forgot about that. 
I had reached out to grandfather. They said it should be fine, but they had rightfully suggested, you know, you can always add in your two gallons of water after the fact, which we didn't, we didn't end up doing. So they were right on that aspect. But so we were finding when we were doing our mash and we were trying to recirculate our mash, we had heavier, you know, bits of grain that didn't fully get in the basket itself. So we were, ended up clogging our pump. And so we ended up getting that stuck. So we had to keep pressing the on off button on our pump to try and get it so it wouldn't, wouldn't be clogged. So we had, you know, a stuck sparge and a stuck mash. Do you guys have any uh, any mishaps during your brew day? Ours went pretty smooth. Um, I'd say the biggest mishap we had was was our mash efficiency and not hitting our, uh, our expected pre-boil gravity and our original gravity quite as much as we should have, and that's more of a that's more of an equipment profile thing and dialing in those numbers and and updating that information. But at the end of the day, we had a seventy point one percent mash efficiency so definitely it wasn't bad that was the only thing that really was not to plan the 240 for us has been absolutely amazing we are not strangers to the 110 we've actually been brewing on a claw hammer supply 110 volt for a better half of what maybe a year and a half now and so when we moved into our new house just right after Christmas, that was the first time we've ever had access in six years to a 240. So we jumped on that pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, having the 240, I will say, has been night and day as far as just like what you said, James, with time. We used to put our water in the night before and start it just so in the morning it'd, it'd be up to temp because it mm-hmm. does take a few hours and ramping up to a boil is insane or mashing out is insane on the 110 we would be waiting 40 45 minutes just to hit a match out temp and now i go measure out my first set of hops and i'm already there and i didn't even i didn't even finish what i was trying to do i go to the bathroom come back and i'm already <laughs> at match out so it has just been mind-blowing as far as the time alone we'd be doing seven eight hour brew day and now it's maybe four hour, and that that's solely based on the waiting times in between heating it up uh, for your mash in or mash out or heating it up to a boil. It's just cut in half, if not more. It's insane. If you can do 240, I highly recommend it because it's it's amazing. Yeah, I do want to say too that I was brewing on the version one of the G30. Uh, grandfather which was had the manual control panel on it so now they do have also a 240 volt version of that same piece of equipment as well as even on the 110 they have these bluetooth controllers so that if you wanted to as garrett said like start your water the night before you can actually control that from your app which would cut down you know that time to get that water up to your mash temp but you'd still have the issue of getting that boiling temp um, up there so enough enough of this. Let's go into our let's surprise say. beer. You know what? Let let's throw a curveball at these guys. We can determine we, who's won this. Yeah, let's throw the curveball at them. So, uh, Caitlin and Gareth will open up the surprise can that we have. Hopefully, not be injured by it. We don't know. It could happen. We don't know we what's just, in there. We just opened it up and it okay. was safe. Okay, okay. great. I'm good to know. <laughs> and it was an empty can. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Those little snakes came out. Of yeah. That. Confetti. <laughs> All right, so you're really putting us to the test on this one. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, let's get excited for this beer. Right. 
Nothing like opening up a box and seeing something labeled as surprise. Surprise! James wanted me just to write surprise, and I wrote surprise blonde, and he was like, why did you write that? You should have written surprise. Yeah, come on. You got to leave some suspense here. So, just poured it, looking at it. It made a hazy blonde. Look at, mm. look at that head. It's yeah. got a glorious yeah, head on it. It's beautiful. Make sure you guys take a Very picture of that right now. Take a picture like just on your table or whatever, so... We can have that for people listening that want to see what it looks like as well from what you opened up. Yeah. And we've actually got our, our blonde glass too, which our, our original blonde is called Needs More Hops. And it's a <laughs> rabbit going into a kettle. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, All right. Cheers. First impression, great. we'll do the aroma. Okay. So aroma, fruit. There's fruit in there. Ooh. <laughs> it's like apricot I'm thinking raspberries. Fruit leathers that you get? Yes. Yes. The fruit leathers. That is exactly what it is. Good. Yeah. That's why I'm bad with descriptors. <laughs> That's why you married her. <laughs> Almost like strawberries. Apricot. And, yeah, and for those listening, they are intently smelling this beer. It smells amazing. So there's quite a bit of floaties in here. Yep. It definitely lost its clarity. It's not hop debris it's kind of more like yeast clumps it looks like they're 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 little white kind of ball looking floaties that you'd get in a typical like maybe um yeah they bottle, don't get bottle color from it beer. so i'm assuming more of a yellow fruit there's no color change in it yeah you're right <laughs> it's definitely not a flavoring though because the carbonation in this thing is insane. oh yeah it like Fruit, you so you definitely added some re- something real that yeah. yep. the <laughs> it yeast, was real that the yeast liked. Yep, it, it really just smells like straight up apricots to me. The, Any the, guesses? The flavor though, it was a peaches. <laughs> the flavor is really mild. It didn't really change the flavor too too much. It's still very balanced. Which is, I think, um, what our goal was. We didn't want it to be so forward that you were like, oh gosh, we wanted to just be like a subtle little hint a subtle uh, subtle change but i think just the what was it put into it will definitely change that color like you said it will definitely make it a little cloudier what's your final guess both of you you can have different different opinions on what what your that it may be but okay i'm i'm ready for my final guess peach puree okay what's caitlin's guess Oh, I have to go with something different that can cover more base. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a puree, um, and I'm you pretty. You would get that much, and I'm pretty sure it's peach. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna have to go with peach too. <laughs> and the answer is peach puree. Whoa! <laughs> yes, peach puree in the house. You got it right. <laughs> yeah. So very good. Um, the interesting thing with the peach puree um, into this beer, so we did it on, we should have actually done it to if both versions to see how that would change yeah. as well. We didn't think that far ahead. Uh, we just were going to do it on our second. So we, it's off of that second batch of blonde. No, actually, no, it was, no, it was on was the first like, one. Okay. No. I was anticipating we'd do it on our second, but then we it was had the first the, batch. Yeah. yeah. So we did the peach puree in our batch one of blonde and we blended that and we just basically ran it through our filter into as we put it into the keg. And it's definitely cleared up in terms of the appearance since we first 
tried it. Like when, we, when James first poured it, I was like, is that a milkshake IPA? Like, what is that? Like, Yeah, it literally looked like if you could thick. put peach in a, a glass. It was just super thick milkshake. Like I would say it would be a milkshake blonde at that point. So the clarity has definitely gotten clarity better. clarity has gotten still cloudy, better. But. I think it's going to get better over time because as that, we mixed in the puree through the filter, but it wasn't like a straight up infused puree. It was a very thick puree, I have to add, which I didn't really care for. I would have liked it to be a little more like fluid, but I guess that would just, if you were to infuse uh, the beer with it, then the beer itself would kind of even it out a little bit. And I think I also, we also did a little too much peach puree because we got, we got a little carried away with how much we wanted to put in there. So we did about like 20 grams worth of peach puree (laughs) in a four, well, it ended up being like a three gallon, two and a half gallon batch of, of that. So we ended up splitting the version one batch. So we kegged half of that five gallons into one keg, and then we did the other half with the peach puree in a second keg. For listening, we we uh we all did cans. For those wondering, all of these beers we packaged for each other on cans, and it's interesting when you're canning or, or bottling or doing any kind of packaging. Like you said, James, it's clearing up now for you guys, but we have this hazy blonde here with, with peach puree floaties in it when you when you can something or when you package something it's almost like a little time capsule i've noticed where if i'm doing a new england ipa or something like that and i uh package it and the and then the keg it starts getting clear i go i, I go ahead and crack that can open two weeks later it's still hazy because it was hazy at the time that i packaged it so it's really it's funny how that works out where we literally have a a time date stamped version of your beer when you packaged it what last Sunday or so. Yeah. And it's, and it's different for you guys now on on tap. Yeah, I think that's a great point to make as a home brewer too if you're sending into competitions, you want to package when that beer is almost like prime because otherwise you're going to be if it, you may be expect it to settle out a little bit or you to clear up, it's not going to do that in your can or bottle necessarily. No. So I'd say this experiment was a success overall, Mm -hmm. just in the fact that we have, well, between all of our beers, four different beers off of the same base recipe. So it just goes to show, you know, when you have a recipe, like any little change you make can make a totally different beer. Yeah. And the peach puree was a great idea to this beer. Yeah, it pairs very nicely. It does pair very nicely. And if you're wondering your second version with the peach, I just blended some of it together, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not as good as the first beer. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, good to know. <laughs> I want to do peach just because I thought with our the maltiness of our recipe, as well as I was hoping it would kind of play off that cascade hop edition a little bit too, which I think it did. I mean, it's it's sweet, but it also has that little little bit tart to it that you get with peaches which i think peach blondes are great and even mango i would like to see this recipe with mango i think that could be something that's super bright and just you know like it's just refreshing this recipe is almost like a really good base Mm -hmm. beer to do things to it's just that nice golden hued beer that's very clean and you i mean you're giving me ideas right now just thinking about it (laughs) the aroma on this is awesome So that being said, I think we should get into what the end result is. Unless, Gareth, you want to... I'll say right now, the end result is no one won because they're so different. (laughs) But at the end of the day, 
the winner is the peach blonde. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the winner. That was a very good choice for the edition. I must okay. say. You guys made you guys made a good beer become great. Like that was that was an awesome idea. Well, I'm glad you beat me to the punch because if I had said, you know, there's no winners here, then they'd be like, oh, well, you know. I mean, I, th- I think if we're going off of the guidelines given, if we're in a competition and we are following, okay, who checks all the marks, I would say that yours does in terms of, you know, you had that sweet malty, the color was there, there was good carbonation, it was very approachable. I think that that is, was like, I don't want to say textbook because I feel like that sometimes is taken as a bad thing. But I think if I was judging and taking all the criteria and saying who met the criteria the best, I think yours did. But I, you guys, you guys got gigged on things that we didn't, so we would have won by default. Correct. Yes. So I think if we were like going to an impartial judge and saying who made quote unquote the best beer, you guys would win. But I really enjoy the peach. So I think if we're going off of who made additions to make it better, I would pick ourselves. Yep, that's good. Well, and it's that's like the difference tr- between competitions and breweries. Yeah, it's like so. Yeah. Who, who's yeah. like, like exactly like one's competition, like to mm-hmm. pen on paper, like strictly by the numbers. We had, yeah. we had. I'll give the- you a great. I'll give you guys a great example. We entered a beer a couple of years ago that is a super saison, so it's a ten percent saison, and we brewed it with chamomile, mm-hmm. and then we fermented it on American oak. And then we conditioned it over champagne or Chardonnay grapes. Wow. It scored horribly. We entered it into a competition. It scored horribly. But there was a brewery there tasting beers, trying to see if there's any beers that they would want to brew on their, in their brewery, and they picked that beer. Wow. So that goes to show you the difference between a competition and a brewery and what their mindset is. A brewery just cares, is this beer good? Mm-hmm. Competition cares does this beer match this set of rules of what this beer is supposed to be so if you for those out there listening if you if you're interested in entering competitions do not get discouraged if you don't win or you get negative notes back you have to realize at the end of the day it's who made the best Blondale to these written standards it might not have been the best it might have been the best tasting Blondale Mm-hmm. But it, it it had something that didn't meet the standards of a Blondale, so they had to go with something different, you know. So just keep that in mind and don't let it discourage you, because there's a big difference between a good tasting beer and a beer that possibly wins a bunch of awards. Yeah, I I think between all of our beers off of this one recipe, there would be one at least one that if you gave this flight to a group of people who like blondes, there would be at least one that they would be able to identify with and to appreciate. Mm-hmm. And like, so example from our version one, what I took away from that beer is it was light, bright, and had a little bit of breadiness to it. Your version of that same beer, it was had almost like a, a, a dryness to it on the end that really stuck out to me. Like it was... I think the honey malt for me was the most prominent hun- thing. In honey me. malt, yeah, absolutely. I'll be honest that James may have noticed or not noticed, but I've been taking this can and refilling my glass the whole time of yours. So, <laughs> And I think it might, it's basically empty. So the sweetness in yours, <laughs> I think, um, is very enjoyable mm-hmm. with the dry, you know, like the ending, the finish of the beer is very, has a dryness to it, which I took away. And obviously the peach blonde 
I'd say that's an all day blonde where you could just, you know, have that, you know. That's a lawnmower blonde right there. <laughs> Which is surprising. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it kind of took me back because I'd almost consider it like a fruit beer instead of a blonde. But I think it's still considered like a blonde. But, you know, most people say when you add fruit to a beer, it's kind of like you have one and then you kind of move on to something else. (laughs) Not me. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think we proved with this beer. I think we proved with this beer that you don't have to overdo the fruit. We we kept it subtle in our addition. I think we'd even tone it back a little bit and infuse it instead of just adding it post-fermentation. We could also add it in during fermentation and account for that to reactivate, you know, during prim- primary fermentation and see what that does as well. That could make it even more complex for the flavors. And I think our batch two, um, I'm going to take away from that one to maybe, you know, do take it to the Imperial arena and make it more of just like more of an aged ale you know and embrace that amber color maybe put it in a barrel age it in something or even age it with peaches you know that could be good too absolutely okay well i think we've got for technicality fenrir brewing for we won the medal but you guys won the second pipe pint that i'm buying at your brewery yeah right, oh, right. Yeah, i was yeah. gonna say yeah and you guys got you guys are holding up the medal and all the people yeah. all the We're judges over are over money. there like do you have any more of that you guys peach? got the money <laughs> we got the mo- we got, got more money, money. We got the and at the end of the day what really matters the money. <laughs> and you know what guys at the end of the day it's once in a blonde moon so you know so we want to talk about that so yeah before we wrap up we want to talk about the label because caitlin this is amazing it's awesome i love it it is so creative and there's just little details everywhere that i pick up every time i look at it i notice something different so why don't you just kind of if you don't mind talk about how you came up with this label i know we touched on it briefly before we started tasting the beers but just what was your inspiration i guess combining both our logos and what you guys do is how i came up with the label idea it originally is a simplified version of what I wanted to do. <laughs> Time-wise, it was what I was working for. But yeah, just a wolf doing a podcast. <laughs> While chugging beer. A blonde yeah. wolf. A, blo- a, blo- a very a luscious mane. Yeah, with a blonde wig. He's a, yeah, so uh, Gareth had brought up a good idea of having kind of like a catfish scenario. <laughs> So that was <laughs> where the blonde wig came from. <laughs> I think it's perfect. Got, it ties it in perfectly. I got like 1980s <laughs> rocker vibes from his hair. So <laughs> very luscious mane going on there. So yeah. we will definitely post a picture of that for everyone to see as they're listening. Um, but it is it is amazing. Yeah. And yeah, if you want to go check out Caitlin's work, I really encourage you to do so because we love it. And I mean, for those who also don't follow our Instagram account, uh, Caitlin, we actually met Gareth and Caitlin through Caitlin's label rebrand our podcast. So she also did our podcast logo uh, for those who don't know. So uh, that's how we kind of created this relationship. And I think it's going to develop even more. We got some more brews. I think we'll, we'll try and collaborate on Gareth and definitely uh, keep it going. And I think, also with this label, when I saw it, I'm like, I would pick up this beer if I saw this on a shelf. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd be like, all right, <laughs> you know what style, right? Like, it says Blondale on it, so it's clear, like, all right, I want a Blondale, not like 
you have to look on the back corner and to be like, oh, this is actually a blonde. But the artwork, the artwork and the creativity and just the clever name, like I would like literally pick this up. I would like look at the picture and I'd be like, huh, once in a blonde moon in cart, like trying it for the first time (laughs) or a a brewery that I I don't know before, you know, like that's what gets those first buys. And I think then they drink the product and that's where the craft brewery and the brewers, like if your product stinks, like they'll be like cool can like recycling, like that was cool. They'll put it up on Mm -hmm. their wall, but they won't buy another one. I think like the combinate, you need the combination. You need the, the art to then sell your, your product that no one can see, you know? Yeah, and I don't know if she got proper kudos for it, but Shannon's the one who came up with Once in a Blonde Moon, and it was, like, yeah. on a whip. It, <laughs> she came at it fast. It stuck, <laughs> it stuck immediately. I was like, that, that, right there. That's the name. That's good. Yeah, maybe version two of that label, Caitlin, will make up a, a fruited blonde or something. We'll we'll take our peach, <laughs> peach <laughs> idea. <laughs> and we'll yeah, eat the peaches. Peaches need to be in the glass or something. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I just... Well, when the, I'm not going to say what I was just thinking. Oh, God. <laughs> when you said peaches. What, what were you thinking? I'm curious now. They come from a Now, now you got to let us know. No, I was just. <laughs> well, if he's catfishing and wearing a blonde wig, then he should. I guess the peaches should also be where you would imagine. His cleavage. To be. <laughs> Aren't they supposed to be melons? <laughs> oh, I guess you're right. Well, some people are more modest. Not everyone has melons. Well, now we're gonna now we're gonna have to do a melon blonde. <laughs> Shannon's like looking at like pictures of wolves, seeing like anatomically correct. Like, would it be more of a peach or a melon? I don't know. I thought... what, what kind of tumor is this? <laughs> oh, God. She's getting all kind of images right now. This is not going well. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, I think on that note, we should probably wrap up because people are like, what's happening here? People are like, how many of these beers did they actually try on this episode? They're like, uh, one, two, three, four. How many versions? What? So why don't we remind everyone where they can find you guys? What are your Instagram? Yeah. So me and Caitlin are both pretty much combo Fenrir Brewing. And then uh, Caitlin's graphic design company is at Athon Creative. And you can find us both on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, great. Well, we really appreciate you guys joining us. And we had so much fun with our brew day and the brew off. And like we said, the videos are on our Instagram if you guys want to check those out. But we really had a lot of fun with this and we hope to do more in the future for us. So thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for... uh, Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode. As an independent podcast, your support means we stay that way. So please follow us on Instagram at Double Hot Beat Podcast. Tag your friends on your favorite posts and episodes. And also, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. This really helps us get new listeners and get our name out there. So we really appreciate that. And thank you again for listening. This has been Double Double Hot Beat. Beat. Catch you on the brew side.